welcome to the Voted Least Likely podcast. I am your host, Leah Yard. I'm a high school dropout who accidentally became an entrepreneur after spending over a decade working minimum wage jobs, having a complete mental breakdown, and losing all confidence in myself. I somehow started a successful jewelry company. I am the least likely person to have ended up in the fashion industry, the least likely person to have overcome crippling anxiety, and the least likely person to have ever had the confidence to share my story. And I know if you are here, you've likely felt something similar. This piece of internet real estate is a place for us to share how we overcame our own obstacles and found a place to thrive, even if it was the last place we ever thought we would end up. We are talking all things related to failure with a little sense of humor on the side. It's time to expose the narratives we tell ourselves and the ones the world places on us. This is the Voted Least Likely Podcast. Welcome. Hello, Dominique. It is so nice to have you on the show. I'm absolutely honored. If you could <laughs> just give a little introduction of who you are and how you got to where you are now. Okay, thank you so much for having me on, Leah. You know, I'm a big fan, big fan for years now. Um, so yes, my name is Dominique Baker, and I am a full time content creator. I always hesitate using the title influencer because we have we've gotten such a bad rap but basically brands hire me to create content on their behalf and I'm absolutely loving this shift from you know my government career to this it's so much more fulfilling I've been doing this for seven years I started with my blog styledomination.com and now I focus mainly on Instagram TikTok and YouTube Amazing. And you recently, well, I don't know how recent it is now, but took the leap to full time, right? This was That's in the last right. couple of years. Was it last year that you? That's right. February 19th, 2021 at 9am. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that day will always be ingrained. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I celebrated with Dom Perignon with my husband. Uh, As you fantastic. should. Amazing. <laughs> And what I'd love to hear sort of the journey leading up to that, like, because I think a lot of times people don't realize how much time <laughs> and work goes into, you know, taking the leap, even though it sounds very glamorous, there's usually quite a build up to it. So I'd love to hear just sort of your experience around the actual leap. Okay, so I was never cut out for the corporate world or government mm -hmm. world, you know, sitting in a cubicle for 35, 40 years and then retiring and dying <laughs> just wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, I, I just, I was always, I am a people person. I worked in luxury retail before getting the government and then got certified as an esthetician, hence my love of skincare. And I just loved, I absolutely loved going into the spa going into, you know, luxury stores where I worked and serving the general public. Because frankly, in luxury, luxury retail was a special sort of animal. Some of those customers can be a little hairy, but I loved what I was selling and the people I was selling to loved that merchandise as well. So mm -hmm. it was like, it was just so great, very fulfilling. And so was aesthetics, working in a spa. Everybody's just so happy to be there. And you take that good energy from your clients and it kind of lasts with you all day and you meet all sorts of great people. And that was just completely lacking when I made the switch to the federal government. And I languished 
for 14 years. Mm -hmm. So I started as an admin assistant, basically a glorified secretary, and then was promoted to an executive assistant. And frankly, I wish I stayed there because I was really good at it. And then I thought, oh, well, um, you know, my bosses were pushing me to just climb the ladder and felt that I'd be a good fit for project management. And I actually really liked the idea of project management, except in the federal government, I rarely saw the end of a project. I loved Mm -hmm. the idea of starting something per a client's request and then wrapping it up in a nice little bow and handing it off. But that never happened in government. Firstly, the ideas would die on the table or they would turn into 10 year long programs, not projects. And I would never see the fruits of my labor. Uh, it was just, I don't know, I, I hated, honestly, every single second of it. So I started a blog in 2015 and adored it. I, my father and I love photography, and he taught me a little bit about photography. And then I took some courses and trained myself. And I think that definitely really helped my blogging career. And brands started to take notice So I remember attending a Nordstrom gala that was benefiting the United Way and the tickets flew. The Nordstrom gala was to celebrate the very first Nordstrom in Canada. And it was such a big deal. And we were so honored that they chose Ottawa where I live. So we all got tickets and my husband managed to get me a couple of tickets. And I took my photographer friend, Katie. We had a great time. We documented the night and I went home. I got home at 11 p.m. and I immediately blogged about it and posted it. Like, who I love posts that. a blog post at 11 p.m.? But it went viral. It went absolutely viral. And then uh, Tiffany and Co. was opening across the hallway from Nordstrom and they took notice and they invited me in to see all of their million dollar jewelry, have a private tour of the store. And that went viral too. And it just snowballed from there. And I remember a few months later, I got my first paid opportunity and it was to review an, an absolutely terrible mascara oh, no. <laughs> and yeah oh, no. it was an absolutely terrible mascara and I remember back then in 2015 I didn't know you could get paid for doing that sort of thing and I was just over the moon me and my little hundred dollars for uh, that was my earnings for the campaign and it just kind of snowballed from there and when I started making good money I sat with my financial advisor And we started making a savings plan so that I would have enough money, a nice little cushion or emergency fund so that, you know, if the blogging and the Instagramming didn't take off, um, I have had a fallback. So that's that's pretty much the planning that that was like the planning phase. (laughs) That's amazing. I think there's more planning involved there than a lot of people do. So I appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of people just, you know, they get their first maybe taste of it and think, oh, maybe this will work and then throw caution to the wind or they just are too scared to take the leap. But I love that you were actually strategic about it because I feel like that's rare, right? I think. I think back then it was and now people, um, influencers and content creators are a bit more business savvy. I was lucky enough to uh, get picked up by an agent, uh, a manager, and she was strategic and helped me choose which brands to partner with and you know, just lay the groundwork to not only make money, but to just grow my presence online and better foster the community I already have by providing what they wanted. Yeah. So 
you know, a lot of people I find they want to become an influencer and they just go on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube and copy other people. I, I guess I had enough foresight to just sort of put some blinders on and focus on what made me happy and what my followers, my supporters were already liking. And yeah. that then translates into money. It's, it's what you like first and fostering the community you already have. And then you start thinking about money. I love that. I, I remember when I first found you and I've said this to other people that you are somebody who, uh, like I came for the fashion, but stayed for the content, you know, like it's, because <laughs> there's a lot of people out there where, well, I mean, there's billions of people who can create gorgeous content, um, and imagery, but there's no substance. And I feel like sure. your community has just always been like, it's so welcoming. And I feel like that's a balance in fashion and beauty because it can feel very, um, you know, unattainable or something like that. Sure. But I've always felt that yours is so welcoming. So I'm curious if that, that sense of community, did you always have that or did that happen organically for you? I feel like I was really lucky to have already to like to have always had that sense of community i i guess the content i was putting out really resonated with like-minded women and i remember i would get troll comments and i wouldn't even have to do anything because my community would just take care of them for me and i just <laughs> love that you know yeah. and my my supporters on instagram and i find really on tiktok like if i don't post anything in a while they check in. They're like, are you oh okay? Where are you? Blah, blah, blah. And one of my main gripes with influencers is that they won't respond to their comments or won't respond to their DMs. And that is my favorite part about social media is making friends totally. and, uh, and, and just responding to them. I can't believe that people will not respond to comments and DMs you know, after that person took the time to stop mid scroll and leave a kind comment, like you have to acknowledge that, especially mm -hmm. now when the market's so saturated, you have to honor your supporters and, and just they're human beings. They want to be recognized and they want to reach out and they expect a response. So, you know, uh, for me, it's, 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 it's more than just oh, responding. It's like, Oh, checking in with Kathleen and red deer, who's nice enough to, like my lipstick post, <laughs> I love or, that. you know, o Oyumi living in Africa, who really liked my hair oil suggestion, you know, so I, I love, love, love um, connecting with my fans. I love that. And I love that you acknowledge that because I've definitely left comments on other people's accounts and they will have, you know, less followers than you. So it's not like, you know, they're, they just couldn't possibly keep up on it. Like they've got a fairly small in comparison um, audience. And then when you don't get anything back, it always kind of feels a little bit disappointing. Yeah. And I don't want to judge anybody for that. Cause I know people are busy or sometimes you don't see it or whatever, but yeah. you always respond. I will, I'll get a reply from you like a week later sometimes, but you'll still <laughs> respond and it'll be, I try. Oh, oh, it's amazing. I try so hard. <laughs> you know, it's, it's getting, it's getting harder. I will admit, yeah. you know, the more you grow, the more comments come in and DMS and the harder it gets, but you know, after dinner, when my husband and I are sitting and watching TV, that's my time to respond to comments and DMs. And I'm sorry, if a, if an influencer with millions of followers can respond to people, people with like, 
micro influencers can respond to. So that I love it. That's my bread and butter. And I I think that's your very much, um, it's very obvious on your platform. Like when you, that's, I think what that welcoming thing is, is just, it's so, I don't know. I mean, there's again, in the influencing world, there's a lot of people that I think they're so talented, but I don't feel good when I'm on their page. You know, I don't feel, and it just breaks my heart because it's so, I want to celebrate them for what they're doing. And maybe it's my own insecurities. I don't know, but I'm very selective on who I follow because it, you know, I'm going on there. That app in itself, Instagram specifically is like, can be a bit of a, (laughs) like a landmine. So, you know, just kind of curating your feed in that, um, that must be so challenging for you because obviously social media is part of my job, but it's not as much of, of it as it is for you. So how do you not burn out on those apps? I do burn out. And that's when I just take a step back and I, I take a few days off and then focus on things that I really like, like fitness and walking my dog and yeah. you know making a nice hearty soup or making dinner with my husband, reconnecting not reconnecting, but going out with my girlfriends for a nice dinner and stuff like yeah. that. That's really important to me. And then you come back with a fresh mind mm-hmm. and ready to create some really, really great content. And then also sometimes I take a break when it's really heavy as well. You know, like I feel like the past few years has been really, I feel like the past few years has been definitely really heavy. And I feel yeah. it's the pandemic has changed people. A lot of people are angry And easily irritated, easily riled up. And I go to the grocery store and there's some guy yelling at the poor cashier because his bananas aren't yellow enough. And like all this stuff, there's like this undercurrent of angst everywhere. And I feel I'll go on Instagram and I don't really watch the news. I gave up watching the news two years ago because I feel like there's no longer any integrity in journalism. And I would get tidbits of happenings in the world from social media. But when I'm already feeling down in the dumps and every single story by every single person is about some atrocity happening in the world, obviously it's so important to be aware of that and to spread proper information. But it's just some days it's just too heavy. And I just want to go and watch some bling empire and turn my brain (laughs) off and, and cuddle my dog and just be happy. So while social media, like while a lot of my life is on social media, social media is not my life. I go on, I do what I need to do and I get off as quickly as I can. Good for you. You have to set boundaries like that because it does just sort of, you know, it takes so much time. It takes so much. I think also when you are, somebody who has a platform, people are kind of taking from you in a sense. I mean, you're obviously happy to have the community, but it it is a piece of you, I think. Yes. It must feel that way. Um, yes. So I think having the the boundary is, is so important. And again, you are a personal brand. So having that system in place is, is so important. Um, right. I love that you're always, you know, you really prioritize mental health and um, I would love if you could chat about just some of the challenges that sort of have, um, I mean, the pandemic was obviously the first thing that really derailed everybody, just sort of yeah. what your coping mechanisms are and um, 
yeah, just just sort of in your industry and in your personal life, just kind of how right. you've managed. So I things got really heavy for me two years ago. I accepted a partnership that I shouldn't have and pretty much got canceled. And I went off of social media for about two months. I had to. I it was just coming at me from every single direction. People were telling me to go kill myself. Um, they were calling me the worst things you've ever heard, uh, telling me to go back to Africa. You know, I've heard oh it my all. God. Yeah. And uh, there were some pretty heavy days where my family wouldn't leave me alone. Like not, not like, oh, they're bothering me, but they were just keeping eyes on me. Yeah. And I had been seeing a therapist beforehand because there was a lot of loss in my life. I lost my father-in-law who I felt raised me um, to pancreatic cancer. And then in, two weeks later, lost my aunt to breast cancer. And then just before that, my, my grandmother died. So I wasn't coping very well. And then a month later, I just accepted this partnership and got canceled for it. So I started seeing when I could physically get out of bed again and talk again and function again. I started seeing my therapist twice a week. I also saw my doctor because I was really struggling. It was my therapist actually who sent me to go see my doctor for uh, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, and believe it or not, angina medication. Because I remember one night a man was so upset at me for this collaboration that he found my address on Google Maps. And he told me he was going to come to my house and take my dog and nail him to the front door so that I could feel what everybody else is feeling right now. And I just thought I was going to have a heart attack. I remember feeling the shooting pain down my arm and radiating up my neck to my jaw. And I thought I was dying. And uh, I think it was a panic attack. I don't know. But uh, I was really afraid for myself. And so was my husband. And yeah, so the therapy really helped. And for three straight weeks, for three straight sessions, it was Zoom sessions with my therapist, just like this. And yeah. she was watching me ugly cry, like six total hours of just me ugly cry and wondering if I'd ever recover. And it was just awful. So then when I started eating again and kind of rejoining the living, I started reading a ton and like a ton of nonfiction, like self-help books, feel good, um, yeah. nonfiction, taking walks with a dog. I remember it was the dead of winter. It was like the end of January, mid-January. And I would just try to like go for a walk, but people were recognizing me on the street. And uh, like, we were just relegated to our neighborhoods and backyards at the time. And, but my like people were recognizing me in my neighborhood and I actually bought a balaclava so that I oh could my cover my face oh. and nobody would see me and like try being a black woman wearing a balaclava <laughs> in some bougie neighborhood walking her designer dog and like like I, I was I was like my husband's like maybe you should take off the balaclava <laughs> so you don't look like a robber but like honestly just the daylight, the sunlight and the cold crisp air really helped. And just, it's so simple, but like, I love my dog, right? Like I, I oh. like make out with my dog. I love him. 
He's but a just gem. Being in his, he's, he is. He is. But that unconditional love that just him bouncing around in the snow just gave me so much joy. It was, it's just such a small thing, but it just gave me so much joy. And there were days where my husband would just hold me. I'm sorry, I'm getting all emotional. Yeah. But there were there were days where he would just hold me. We would sit on the sofa and just he'd just tell me it'd be okay. Because I can't believe, like I I used to work in the health field in the federal government and yeah. Even the people I was working with were threatening violence against me. And I feel like the department I worked at really dropped the ball in ensuring my safety and um, ensuring that, you know, it's part of their own values and ethics code to protect their employees and to make sure that they're not being harassed at work. And none of them came through for me. They didn't even adhere to their own rules. And it was just a very tough time. It was just a very tough time. I'm I'm so sorry you went through that because it again I knew there was stuff going on and I think we connected during that but I had no idea the yeah the depth yeah. that it had gone and yeah. so um, so I guess maybe I should tell the audience what happened but <laughs> I remember um I had on my vision board for so long a partnership with an airline because Ryan and I are huge travelers and I yeah. love travel I'm a Sagittarian and I just love traveling and um, my, my travel content was doing so well online and I just wanted to foster that more. And so an airline reached out, um, to about 10 influencers, including me, and they offered me a trip to Jamaica. This was non-paid. It was, um, uh, a free trip in exchange for reviewing the airline and the resort. And I was over the moon. They sent me to Jamaica and I was the one of the only influencers that did not travel during a like let's say a no travel zone. Like it wasn't a lockdown. I can't remember precisely, but we were the world was still traveling. Yeah. There were no um restrictions in place or anything like that. And I worked for a government department where one of its units was responsible for developing messaging on how to um sort of navigate traveling during COVID and my lawyers, I had to hire a team of lawyers because it was, it got so bad. It got so bad. Um, they had found out that a woman that I worked with didn't like me and she tipped off the press. She wrote to our prime minister and the head of the agency and tipped them off that I was gallivanting around the world, gallivanting in Jamaica uh, meanwhile, I worked for the unit that was developing this messaging. My particular job was to um, read emails from the general public and uh, direct them to the proper unit within my department, within my branch for them to be answered correctly, okay. appropriately. And uh, the newspapers just ran with it. They called me the head of the agency um they called me a senior bureaucrat which i wasn't i was a, a lowly like a low level project officer and um i remember at the time our finance minister some some high ranking official had traveled down south but he was tweeting like he was in the office and he was getting murdered in the press and online mm -hmm. but i remember his article 
in the Globe and Mail got 3,000 comments, hateful comments, pretty much. And mine got 14,000 because the newspapers chose to, I remember the National Post put a full page picture of me in a red bikini on top of a horse and people just murdered me online. And it was horrible. And I, I just, I'm still really upset at the fact that the journalists for these papers never confirmed my title they yeah. just called me a senior bureaucrat that made me sound like i was leading the response to the pandemic and that just fueled the fire and uh for weeks i remember i was still working at the particular agency in the government and i kept asking my supervisor to have my email switched off because I was getting so many threats. And every morning I would log on and just have to read reams of emails, reams of messages of people who just wanted to hurt me, wanted me fired, wanted like all sorts of harm to come my way. And it was awful. And I just feel like the government did nothing. They threw me under the bus. They, um, it was just really, really bad. And, and like the airline didn't help me in the least. And it's just, it's just been such an, it was such a horrible experience. I felt yeah. like I had no support whatsoever. And I can't even believe I'm saying this, but my lawyers were my guardian angels. They <laughs> saved me. Like they saved me. And, um, uh, although like for the past six months I had been saving and I had a date in mind for quitting the federal government on my own terms, when the writing was on the wall that the government wasn't going to help me, that they, you know, they wouldn't even shut off my email. Like it took like three weeks of complaining for them to finally turn off my, my email account and all of this stuff. The writing was on the wall and yeah. I, my values no longer aligned with the government agency that I worked at. Yeah. I felt like they weren't handling things very well for the general public, I put in my resignation. And I remember my director general telling me, you're being rash, like this will blow over. We'll just move you to another unit. She was so like, I felt out to lunch. Even though I told her what was happening to me, she just didn't get it. She's like, oh, we'll just move you to another unit. And I'm like, look, these women that I work with want to beat me up in the parking lot. You know, like, (laughs) I can't just move to another unit inside the building. Like, I'm never going to get over this. And frankly, I hate it here. I would. So like, even even way before this, I would drive to the office and I would like I'd get there at like 815 and like start work at whenever and just cry in my car because I I just hated it so much. I hate I worked for this also, I worked for this terrible manager and she'd always ghost me. She like, we'd have weekly bilats, um, or excuse me, um, bi-weekly bilats. She would have these meetings every other week with all of her staff and she'd always ghost me. She would never show up. She would never apologize. She would never tell me where she was and why she ghosted me and all of this stuff. And I just, I just felt invisible and I felt like I never saw the fruits of my labor and I was so ready to quit and this just pushed my hand. And uh, I look back at it now and I think my detractors would scoff and think that I'm lying. But while it was the hardest time of my life, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. While people were like 
threatening me and sending like sending me death threats, I grew exponentially. I had so many supporters as well. I feel like I am so deeply sorry at that mistake that I made. And Mm -hmm. I wish I could go back, like, obviously, you know, and not travel. I wish I could go back, but I had, I had adhered to the rules that were set out by the government and I did everything that I was supposed to, and I didn't deserve what happened to me at all. And uh, I'm just so happy that it worked out in my favor and that I'm okay. Yes. Uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish that I never accepted that collaboration and, and upset people. Uh, it was it was really like it was so wrong of me. And I, I feel like I was blinded by, you know, the glitz of a, of a free trip down south where it's warm and fabulous. And I just I, I didn't appreciate how that would hurt people and uh, and and cause fear and, and angst. And yeah, I wish I could go back and, t- and take it back. I really do. I am so grateful that I'm okay and I made it out okay. This show is sponsored by our very own company, Leah Yard Designs. Leah Yard Designs is a jewelry brand in Vancouver, Canada that specializes in unique, semi-precious pieces. The designs are meant to be mixed and matched to celebrate the wearer. We love fashion juxtapositions, which is why you will usually find me in ripped jeans and a ton of gold jewelry. Our goal is to add glamour to every day. Our most popular design is our Zodiac necklace, which was created to celebrate what makes you uniquely you. 5% of all profits in the jewelry collection are donated to the DEWC, a local charity that helps vulnerable women in Vancouver's downtown east side. You can learn more and shop the full collection at www.leayarddesigns.com. I think that is the most important part hey is when we go through something that's so horrendous because when you're in it you feel like you'll never make it I thought I'd never make it yeah yeah and then when you come out on the other side it's just it's so hard because I totally understand what you're saying where it's you don't you're not glad that it happened but just the pressure and the how much it required you to save yourself in a sense and get stronger um I'm sure it's changed how you create well I'm sure it's changed how you partner now (laughs) I'm sure that's what it is uh yeah (laughs) I I feel so I feel so I feel so terrible because honestly like you know my my little team were not stupid people and at the time things were not clear. Like the, mm-hmm. I remember the messaging being put out to the public wasn't quite clear. And I just feel like anybody could have made that mistake. Oh, hundred percent. I feel like, I feel like anybody um, having a beautiful five-star all expenses paid trip dangled in front of their face in like the winter. Yes. I think any, anybody would have made that mistake and open and offer and accepted that trip, excuse me. But wow. It like, I now I work with huge brands like yeah. you really don't have to research the brands that I work with, but you never know. So now, no matter how enormous the brand is, I always just do like a quick Google search to make sure that there's no controversies happening or, or, or things like that. And I, um, I always say to myself nowadays, because, okay, so one thing, Leah, another reason I accepted all of that trip, because I, I was, uh, uh, 
another reason I accepted that trip was I was hoping it would be it would parlay into a paid campaign. Right. I was accepting, and this is wrong. Like this, the, this whole experience opened my eyes to that as well. But I was accepting any old job just to make enough money to leave the government. And I look back on some of the people I've partnered with, some of the brands I've partnered with, and they're just not a good authentic fit. And this just, that experience totally opened my eyes and made my business better. So now I really weigh like, do I need to partner with a toilet paper brand? Do I need to partner with like a Home Depot type store like these aren't in line at all with what I do and I don't need the money any longer so I'm much more careful about who I partner with and I also try so hard to be much more forward thinking you know I will I will partner with a small brand that has a really bright future but I also look into you know, their CEO, their founder, and see what type of person she is. And like, if there's any red flags, like, no, I'm, (laughs) I don't need it. I don't, I don't need this collab that bad. Definitely. In your opinion, what's, um, what makes a good collaboration? Like what's your favorite type of partnership? Uh, Honestly, if I (laughs) use the products already, like if I go out and buy the products already, I'm usually over the moon. If that brand reaches out and offers me a paid job or any sort of collaboration, because then it's just so easy. Yeah. It's just so easy because it's just so authentic and real. Um, you know, I, I work with lots of brands who I've worked with for years. So I know that the products will be good. Yeah. You know, there, there's a very low chance that it won't be great. But, um, you know, new brands that like, I I don't really part, I don't partner with brands I've never heard of. So that's, that's um, uh, one reason why makes a great partnership. Also, if the brand is a noble brand, you know what I mean? Yes. So for instance, I partner with NYX and NYX does so much good for women the community. It, it's all about uplifting women of all kinds, you know, yes. w- women, like we already covered this, but it, that means a lot to me that they provide the same beautiful things for women with, let's say, who's who've gone through a mastectomy as somebody who has large breasts like me and, and prances <laughs> around in lingerie and bikinis all day. Like I, I love the fact that they're so inclusive. That's yes. really important to me. And um, another another thing that makes a great collaboration for me, and it's one of my favorite things, is if they give me carte blanche. So I swear to God, so many of these brands, like I know when a collab will flop because yeah. this brand will send me like a 15 page brief and they've got 70 points that they want you to hit in a little reel or a little TikTok. And it just sounds really forced. It sounds like an ad campaign from like the 80s or, you know, they, I really try to negotiate with brands, you know, showing the product in the first three seconds just looks really like an ad that nobody wants to watch. So give me a little leeway. Let me create the way I create because I know what my audience likes. So if a brand honors that and they respect that and they see the value in that oh I am all over it I am all over it 
Yeah, that's such an important point because they're hiring you for you. I think that's yes. what so many brands miss is that they just think, oh, it's a big following. So yes. we'll just hire this person to do exactly what you want, black and white. And it's like, well, no, you're hiring yeah. a personality who's built a community. And it's, yeah, it's really hard because I, I'm on the other side, obviously I'm a brand and there's so much confusion, I think, around working with content creators and influencers. It wasn't until this year that I even knew there was a difference between an influencer and a content creator. Like I didn't know that there were some people that just created content, but they don't have um, like a big following. They just genuinely create content for brands. And I was using those words interchangeably. And, and then I know some people, like we had talked about this too, where the word influencer is can have a negative connotation sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so, and it, the thing is, things are changing so quickly in the field as well. Um, I'm curious, sort of, what advice you would give somebody who's dying to get in and start, but they're just overwhelmed with where to even begin? Um, okay. So, so many influencers, uh, so many influencers who want to break into the market ask me yeah. this all the time. And if you don't know what to focus on or you don't know where to begin, ask your close friends and your family members, what am I good at? And then maybe build your social media around that, like really niche down. Like when I started, yeah, you could be that influencer who talks about hair, beauty, skincare, gardening, cooking, DIY, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you, could, you could have done it all, but now you have to be that target girl. You have to be that Amazon's fine girl. You have to be the red, best red lipstick girl. Like you really have to niche down and you really have to love what you're talking about, honestly, or it just feels forced and I, your audience will know. So um, I feel micro influencers are really important because they have a really engaged audience. Like they generally have a much more engaged audience than a macro influencer. So brands love them. So don't be afraid to get started. Start building your audience. You don't need tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers. Just make the best content you can. And I'm not talking about like Steven Soderbergh level filming and beautiful <laughs> editing and all that stuff, but research what you're hawking and uh, really connect with your audience and make that best content that your audience is craving. It doesn't have to be like all like super polished and gorgeous. Just get started. Just get started. That's my favorite tip because I think it is overwhelming to start. And they're often when we're starting in a new field, we're usually comparing ourselves to somebody who's miles ahead of us. And it's so easy to get discouraged to even start because, you know, it, Again, I don't think people realize how long it takes to build and grow and learn and get better, you know, like yeah. we're, we're all suck to begin with, <laughs> like we just yeah. do, like, <laughs> yeah. like you can't totally. come out the gate being perfect at it, right? And maybe you're exactly. so good at speaking, but maybe, you know, you haven't figured out the camera stuff or whatever, but it's, yeah, it's really hard. And I, I do worry that some people think, well, it's so saturated now that there's no opportunity. I'm curious what no. your thoughts. Okay. No, I think that's wrong because, um, you know, the influencer marketing industry, like they're just dumping billions of dollars into it. So the, the pie is big enough for everybody to get a slice for sure. 
You just need to get started. You just really need, I feel to niche down and focus on something very, very specific, but just get started and really engage with your audience and other people who are in a similar, let's say niche, like, you know, reach out, start commenting on their content, follow people that you really like that inspire you. That's another thing. Instagram, like social media can be such a dark place. When all of that negativity happened to me, this sounds terrible, but I unfollowed so many people Mm -hmm. and only kept the people who made me happy, whose content I really enjoyed. It, It could be either really pretty or really uplifting or really whatever, but I was feeling so much pain already I was feeling so bad already. I didn't, when I was ready to get back on social media, I didn't want to look at stuff that made me feel even worse. So yeah, follow people who really, only follow people who inspire you, get rid of everybody else. And oh my God, that's my, like one of my number one tips. Do not follow anyone who makes you feel bad. Yes, that's such a good point. And I think it doesn't really matter why they make you feel bad. Like I have people that there's nothing wrong with, nothing wrong with them. They do great content, but for some reason it just, I don't leave that platform feeling good. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I liken it to when I was an esthetician, this might sound all woo woo, but a person would come in in a bad mood but because you're touching their feet, giving them a pedicure or massaging their arms or giving them a facial or a body treatment, I feel that t- touching them, you absorb their bad energy. Yeah. And I feel you absorb the same sort of bad energy off of social media. And, you know, I'm not a petty person, but like if I'm having a low day and I feel ugly and I've gained five pounds because I'm on my period, no, I don't want to be looking at old videos of Naomi Campbell strutting down the runway <laughs> with her with her her racehorse legs. And I love Naomi. She's my she's in my favorite. Like I, I've never unfollowed her, but you know, there are days where I just don't want to see how suddenly beautiful she is. Exactly. Yep, totally. Or you know what? You know what? Like I, I just don't want to hear about uh, you know, like some people just go on and on and on about how awful the world is and how awful everything is. And I just, I can't, I cannot, I just want to be happy. Um, I I follow this account called, I think it's called April Baker's London on Instagram. And it's just this woman making the most stunningly beautiful cakes you have ever seen. Like they're works of art. And like, if I feel like it, that's what I'm watching for the next hour. Cause it makes me feel good. It's therapeutic. It's therapeutic. It's totally. Totally. <laughs> I find TikTok is the the deep dive for me. I'll get on to like dogs being rescued. Oh my God. And then I'm just like <gasps> sobbing watching, watching I know. It's, like, it's so funny. It's oh. so funny. I, I love TikTok. I love TikTok. I don't know what it is. I've, that algorithm is so good. Yeah. I, I don't know what I've been doing, but my feed, my for you page is like nothing but like dog videos and funny videos and like the, the, the occasional makeup and fashion videos. It's nothing that make it. TikTok doesn't make me feel bad. Uh, I don't know what it is, but they're doing such a great job over there. Like I feel Instagram is totally dropping the ball and it's so funny. I feel like if it were any other private company, everybody at the head at the helm would be fired because I feel like they're they're just dropping the ball all over the place. But TikTok, I absolutely love. And I I, I put a timer. Like I got these um little time cubes off of Amazon or something. And like I set it for I'll set it for like half an hour. 
And when it goes off, okay, I'll get off TikTok because like I could stay on it for days. I know, I know. It's so, I think what I love so much is it is so raw and real and it's very just come as you are kind of vibe to it. And there is a lot of fashion stuff in that, but it's more, it's just realistic stuff. I mean, you can actually see cellulite on TikTok. Like like it's unbelievable where it's like, you can't find that on Instagram. Um, exactly you you know like there's some awesome instagram accounts like the birds papaya and and, you know like uh women who are very inclusive and very real yes um but i i also feel like there are just so many like there like i just did a tiktok about this like i remember when filters were a thing and and those apps to like totally change your features and erase the texture of your skin were so popular and I, I was cleaning out my phone, my camera roll, and I was looking at pictures that I had taken like three years ago and I looked like a different person and I hurt my own feelings. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I, I, I've gained a lot of weight or my, did my nose get bigger? I'm like, oh yeah, I facetuned myself to death because that was the trend, right? So here I am hope, hurting my own feelings. Meanwhile, <laughs> I never looked like that. <laughs> it's, it's, I know it's so real. It's so ridiculous. And it's so, I think we just got over filtered you know we've been bombarded yeah. by it we've seen every single version there is a perfect out there and yes I just feel over it like I don't even you know and I love beautiful imagery but I don't need to see this unrealistic and even as you were saying just texture skin texture like yeah. I need to see that you know I, I'm so and now it's funny because it's I feel like the pendulum's going the other way where now that's so much more attractive now I don't Whereas yeah. a couple of years ago, I would have thought, oh, no, definitely. Let's yeah, facetune uh, the hell out of that. But right. now. No, no cellulite, not. no rolls, yes. like, n- none of that. Yes. And now I feel like it's just so, thank God, so much more accepted. Uh, I, the other thing was, I remember before the pandemic, in, in the height of the facetune era, going to an event in Toronto and meeting this influencer who I really loved and she didn't look anything like she did online. And I just remember being like, (laughs) who are you? (laughs) And I'm just so glad that women are more comfortable these days, accepting themselves for for what they truly look like. Right. We're so hard on ourselves already. We're so hard on ourselves already. So yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm very impressed with the, the younger generation on there. Like, I feel like TikTok is such an education. I am learning so much. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, and just, I very, am learning oh. so much. That's what I love about that app. Yeah. Like I am learning so much and it's, it's not just, Oh, how to master winged eyeliner. It's like, how do I get my gross grout in the bathroom to be more white? <laughs> like, how do I get a pet stain out of my white carpet? How do I fix a flat tire? Like, I it's I love TikTok. I love it. I know. I know. I'm I'm the same. And it's funny. It's only this year I got on it and a friend of mine had been encouraging me and I was just so uninterested because to me, it was just like, I can't handle doing another Instagram like thing. I'm just not interested. Yeah. And she was like, no, you got to do it. It's not it's totally different. Um, and, and it's then, so much easier. It's so much it's easier. So much easier. It's so yeah. much easier. And I find community and collaboration in that is so great on there because you have a video of somebody now, so you can get a sense of that person right away. Whereas yeah. Instagram, it was all just photo. There was obviously it's pushing video now, but it's harder to know who that person is on Instagram where I feel like TikTok yes. right away, you just get a sense how they talk, how they move. It's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that, exactly. that girl, like 
Exactly. And again, the algorithm is so much better. It's always showing me stuff I want to see. Yeah. Meanwhile, I feel like Instagram's gotten better because remember over the summer, there was that whole controversy about mm. how they kept pushing content that nobody wanted to see. Like there were all these people in my, my feed that I didn't follow and I didn't know what they were, or what, they, what they were about. And I didn't like it. I, I just, I don't really like Instagram anymore. And it was just really bad over the summer. And then, so I, I think it was Kylie Jenner or Kim Kardashian finally complained online. And then they went and got rid of that. People to remember follow that. Feature, so, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, there's so many ads now. And if you're like someone like me, small brand, you, you know, you got to pay to play. If you're going to get any kind of exposure, you, it's, and I it's feel like expensive. it's, I feel like it's not even working anymore. No. So that was that was a growth strategy for me. I, I would promote posts that were um, really popular, got a ton of likes, got a ton of saves, and I would grow exponentially by uh, promoting those posts. And now yeah. I'm trying to promote and it's not even working anymore. So like, what are we yeah. paying for? Exactly. Mark Zuckerberg, stop ruining Instagram. <laughs> I know. I, I see you, Masseri. You're screwing up. <laughs> Screwing up. I mean, they must know. They must know that it's yeah. Like it's just yeah. Collectively, I think we're all just over it and yeah, ready for yeah. ready for a change. And we would we would be so fired if that was us and Instagram <laughs> totally. was like and we were in charge of Instagram. I I would have lost my job ages ago. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> So what I'm curious to know what, um, just because when we're recording, this is obviously the end of the year. So when you look ahead at the new year, are there any big goals that you can share that you've got in the works or? Um, yeah, I would like to become truly my own boss. I am always brainstorming um, additional income streams or, you know, just how I can parlay my success into something more me, let's say, you know, I would love a product I could put my name on or a service I could put my name on. Because I, I've got to be honest, I'm 44. Uh, 50 is looming. When I'm 50, do I still want to be reviewing the same old red lipsticks? Do I yeah. still want to be prancing around in lingerie? Actually, yes, I do. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Because uh, I think 50 year old women, we all deserve to look great. Like, you know, when I'm 50, I, I hope to still be confident and still looking good. And, uh, but I don't want to have to rely on that to get paid. So, uh, you know, I have a few irons in the fire. I'm just collaborating more with brands on little capsule collections. So I'm collaborating with Livy jewelry and the Dom bracelet will be coming out soon. And uh, I had my own capsule collection with a lingerie company and that was so great. I had a uh, small little collection with a with a pet food company too, uh, me and Reese. And I, I love that. I would love to go more in that direction. And I definitely want to travel more. I really want to get more into travel content creation. And, and it's starting. Like brands are um, throwing offers at me to review hotels and, and, and travel more. And I, I am just so grateful it's working out. Yeah. I'm so you were one account that well, you're one person that I love following because I just love watching you crush it like you just thank you. And I know there's been some roadblocks, but I just always when I see you winning, it just makes me so happy. And I'm happy for anybody who's out there winning. But thank you. You know what, Leah, that um, 
that roadblock saved me from sailing off a cliff. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, it uh, that roadblock, thank God for that roadblock. I wouldn't take it back. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't take okay. it back as difficult and as horribly painful as it was. Um, it forced me to get my head out of my bum. It forced me to be a better business person and a more compassionate yeah. human being. And it paved the way for me to really work with brands that really, really supported me. You know, it's funny. A lot of brands put me on pause. They wanted it all that negativity to blow over, obviously, before working with me again. And other brands dropped me completely. And, you know, there were the heads of brands that I thought were my friends. And, you know, we would text every day and meet for drinks and stuff. And then they dropped me like yesterday's garbage. And what happened to me cleared um, toxic people out of my life and people who were just using me. And uh, I'm just so grateful that it happened. It made me a better person. Um, uh, Yeah, I love that roadblock. I'd paint it pink and cover it in diamonds and sparkles. And I just love that roadblock. (laughs) I love that. I really hope people hear that because I think there is a lot of fear in getting to a place where you have um, exposure, like you, you know, are in a place where you have a a giant audience, there's a huge amount of responsibility and fear that comes with that. So I really hope people hear that because I mean, it's kind of personal development 101, right? And once you overcome that, I just think that's so empowering and, and being able to talk about it and, and, you know, yeah, look back. It it did make me much more guarded. I'm so much more careful I am more likely to write a script now when I'm posting online, which I don't want to do. I want to be off the cuff, but I am so worried about saying the wrong thing now and doing the wrong thing. But with time comes wisdom and I feel so much smarter and uh, my eyes are much more open now. And that comes to, to friends as well. You know, I had a lot of parasites hanging off of me, which is so dumb, you know, like I'm this Ottawa influencer I'm not Beyonce, but I had a lot of people just hanging off of me who just liked going to parties with me and liked getting free stuff and yeah. liked being I, even seen with me. And they didn't care about me genuinely. And they're gone. And I am just so glad to be focusing on my small little group of friends and my sisters and my family and my yeah. husband and my dog. I love that. And my dog. Yeah. I love my dog. <laughs> I, know. I know. Can you tell? <laughs> oh, I just, I also love him. I remember when you got him, because I remember it was like a surprise for a bit. And I think you were in tears the day you went, weren't you? It was just so, yeah. oh, I was thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> but I cry, I cry a lot. I cry at everything. I, I just came back from LA with a brand and I watched the most, this is totally off track, but I watched the most heartwarming mi- movie. It's called Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. And she's this clean, she's this cleaning woman who's cleaning somebody's, some rich woman's home. And she sees a Dior dress and this is post-war, post-second world war. So like the forties or the fifties. And she sees this Dior dress in her wardrobe and just must have it. So she works her little butt off and finally scrapes together enough money to go to the Dior atelier in Paris and buy her dress. And I sobbed through this movie because it like spoke directly to my heart. Like, you know, I focus on luxury goods and Mm -hmm. whatever. And here I am. I'm not a cleaning lady. I'm doing pretty good. And what I would give to buy Dior (laughs) Couture like she was able to. So 
go watch that movie. It was I such will. a feel, feel good film. So yeah, I, I cry at everything. <laughs> oh God, me too. I, what gets me is those talent shows when people sing and it's, you know, you don't know if it's going to be good. And then it's like some story and then they sing and it's just tears. And yeah, all my partners always just like looking at me like, really? <laughs> Again? <laughs> <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what it is. Oh uh, my goodness. Um, where can people find you, connect with you if they want to work with you? Where is the best way to find you? Oh, so you can find me on Instagram. My um, email, like if you want to work with me, my email is actually in my bio. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Dominique.Baker. On YouTube, you can find me at Style Domination. Uh, That was the name of my blog. I don't pretend to dominate anything. I just thought it would be a good name. And I wish I thought it was a very good name. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'm on TikTok. I'm Dominique Baker Official on TikTok. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm verified on YouTube and Pinterest. I'm so thrilled. That was a huge milestone for me this year. And uh, yeah, reach out anytime. I, I try so hard to answer all of my DMs and comments. I love that. Yes, I I highly recommend anybody who I mean, I think a lot of the people listening already follow you and know who you are. But anybody who isn't, I highly recommend it. It's just a feel good, wonderful, welcoming space. And um, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was like the highlight of my week, my day, (laughs) my my dream board of having Dominic Baker on the show. <laughs> you are so welcome, Leah. I, I cannot thank you enough. You've been uh, such a supporter and in my corner for so long now. And I'm, I'm still wearing the baubles that you sent me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just so thrilled for your success. And thank you. keep killing it, okay? Thank you. We'll do likewise. Thank you so much for being here. I really hope this episode gave you a boost of encouragement to follow your own path, even if it's a little unruly or has a few more weeds than you expected. I would love if you could share this with somebody important to you. We never know who needs a boost. If you'd like to learn more, you can find me at www.leayard.com. And if you want to see a little more behind the scenes, you can connect with me on Instagram at leayard. And now I will leave you with this. We all have more in common than we do not. Be kind when you can, judge less, less often, and never, ever underestimate your own potential. I'll see you next week.